Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Hello, everyone. My name is Eliyahu. I know that's kind of a hard name you've probably never heard before. But that's because it's a Hebrew name. See, I come from Israel. And I was on the earth when Jesus was doing his ministry. I have a story to tell you guys, and you being Christians, I think you're going to want to hear it. See, I was just 14 when I first saw Jesus. We had heard about him in my family, this wandering rabbi who some said had uh, amazing powers to heal. Some said that he was a great teacher. And in my family... We kind of like to go see rabbis every now and then. When they come into town, we like to hear what they have to say. I mean, they talk about God. Who doesn't want to hear about God? And back in my day, we didn't have Netflix or Hulu like you guys have. So it was actually kind of entertainment at sometimes. Even for a kid like me, I could listen through the whole thing. The thing is with, with a rabbi is they're always bringing some sort of enthusiasm to get you in. They've got their shtick and they draw you in, and everybody's on track with them. A good rabbi, you're going to be nodding along with him as he's making his points. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, I get what you're saying. A good rabbi worth his salt is going to get a few amens here and there when you're making the point. But sometimes, oftentimes, the enthusiasm of a rabbi runs its course, and then it runs out. It's time for that rabbi to move on to the next place and and go on and, and spread his message elsewhere. That's not the way it was with Jesus when I heard him. I was hanging on every every word, and so were the people in the crowd when we heard him. You see, oh it was a summer. The summer of my when I turned fourteen. We lived in Capernaum at the time. Uh, it's a place out by the Sea of Galilee. We lived just outside of the city on on an orchard. It was uh, an olive tree orchard. Or is it a grove? I guess it's a grove. We also had a few fig trees. Jesus came into Capernaum, and as was our custom, Dad and I went down, kind of a father-son thing, and we saw Jesus speak, and we were amazed. He brought new light to the scriptures in in ways that we had never seen. He was so clear, and he spoke with authority. Like, if you want to see how it was, Jesus told people that they should love their family, and everybody can be on board with that. Jesus told people that they should love their neighbors. They were on board with that. Jesus told people that they should love their enemies, and everybody was on board with it. It was received well. But that's that's not the only reason why we became Jesus fans. You see, we got into Jesus when we saw him heal this centurion's servant. Now, the centurion lived a little ways away from Capernaum. And he had a servant who was sick near the point of death. And he sent some people to ask Jesus to come heal him. 
Jesus said, sure, let's, I'll go. So the whole crowd, me and my dad included, wanted to see what was going to happen. And as we're going, as we're going along the way, getting close to the house, Centurion sends some people out, says, hey, Jesus, you don't need to come in. And it wasn't because the servant had died and it was too late. It was because the centurion believed that Jesus had the power to heal even from a distance. Jesus, he said, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Just say the word and it will be done. Jesus was amazed and said, it will be for you as you believe. But me and dad, we needed some verification here. So he sent me on ahead and said, check out what happened there. I mean, I was a fleet-footed 14-year-old, okay? I could catch up when they turned back and went to Capernaum. And I went there and I saw the man who had been in bed was standing up on his own two feet in perfect health. Have you ever seen anything like that? Dad and I sure hadn't. And we listened to Jesus for the rest of the day. And then when it came time to come home we decided that we weren't ready to be done with Jesus. You know, a rabbi comes in for a day and then he leaves, but we weren't ready for it to end in just, just one day. We needed that enthusiasm to continue out. It hadn't yet played itself out. So we heard that Jesus was going down to Nain, another city. It's about a two-day's journey away, and it was the summertime, like I said, so not quite harvest time, and we decided... We can spare a few days. We packed four days' worth of bread and got ready to journey the next morning. Turns out, we weren't the only people who had that idea. You always hear about the 12 disciples just following Jesus around, but let me tell you, there was more people. There are people following this guy because he had this contagious enthusiasm about him that made you want to go. That crowd was big. It was, it was bigger than any crowd I had seen going in one direction altogether. The closest thing I can compare it to is, is us uh, getting together to go to the Passover. And even that, you only really see it around Jerusalem when everybody's starting to come together. This was like Moses leading people through the wilderness, and they were just following him. So there we were, an exuberant crowd joyful, beyond all belief. Jesus is teaching us, telling us parables about how the kingdom is going to come, telling us about himself, who he is, what he came to do. I can't, I can't express the joy to you clearly enough. But you know how the saying goes, all good things must come to an end. And when we got to Nain, it seemed like that was going to be how it was. You know, one way or another, it seems like the rabbis always have to go their own way. Maybe they say something that rubs you the wrong way. Maybe it's just time for them to move on. Maybe reality sets in. And you realize that life is difficult. There's still bills to pay. There's still mouths to feed. There's still sickness. Jesus had proven that he could handle some of that stuff. But when we got to Nain, something was waiting there for us that... It gave us a dose of reality for our enthusiasm. There we were, names in the distance. We can see the town. Loud crowd, boisterous, singing praises to Jesus, singing praises to God, uh, reveling in his teaching, just content to be there and bask in his presence. When out of Nain comes another crowd, 
a little bit smaller than ours. And it, made, and it looked like they were coming right toward us, like they were going to pass us by. And at first, I didn't really understand what was going on. I, maybe it was because I was young. It, it, was like, it was like when, when you're at a potluck, maybe. We had those back then, too. Uh, and everybody's talking before the meal and getting ready to have it. And you're in that conversation with somebody, and it's, and, it's, and it's close, and you're not paying attention to anything around you, and then somebody starts praying. Somebody starts the prayer, and you're still talking, and people are like, shh, we're praying. You don't know what's going on, and same thing there, except a little more serious. People were hushing and shing, and laughter was cut off, and conversation was silenced mid-sentence. And then I heard it, the wailing, the great, uncontrollable, inconsolable wailing that could, that could only have meant one thing, death. It came out of Nain straight toward us. It was a large dose of a reality for our contagious enthusiasm. And it shut us up, just like that. You see, what was coming out of Nain was a procession, and at the front were men carrying a box, a coffin, and inside was a young man, a man who, who only had his mother and whose mother only had him. He was her only son, and she was a widow, his only, her only hope of security, at the end of that day, she would be living a life of poverty from then on out. And what is there to say to that? What can you do in the face of that? It can be easy in the midst of that contagious enthusiasm to forget about the reality of death and how it comes but then it does rear its ugly head and it silences and crushes. If this were the story of any other rabbi, it probably would have ended right there. I don't, I don't really care what your message is. There's no way around that. There's no getting up from that one. Death had come and it had trampled us underfoot. It had silenced us down to the last man, crushed us. Till there was only one left, Jesus. And in that time, Jesus decided that he was not going to let death win the day. He decided that he had come to bring life and he wasn't going to let this enthusiasm that he had come to bring be overridden by something like this. So he approaches the widow and says to her, Stop crying. He touches the coffin and says, Young man, I say to you, arise. And he sat up in his coffin and started speaking. And the crowd just erupted. Like, I am surprised that, that those guys holding the coffin didn't just drop him out of, out of fear. But the crowd erupted cheers cries to God of thanksgiving, praises to Jesus for this wonder, wondrous act. 
And there we were with this man. We went back, we went back to, we went to the town with him and spent the, the rest of the afternoon with him, listening to him, in, well into the evening. But then morning came the next day and it was, it was time for us to go. Jesus was going somewhere else and we had a family to go back to and, and uh, land to take care of. But on the way back, Dad and I talked about Jesus just as excitedly as we had when we were going there in the first place. See, some people in the crowd, before we left, were whispering among each other, saying, maybe this is the one who God said would come to save his people. Could this one really be the Messiah, we wondered. It was clear to us that he was a holy man, and from then on, we sought to see Jesus whenever the opportunity arose. When he came to a town nearby, we went to see him. When he uh, went to the Passover, just like we did, we tried to find out where he was staying so we could hear him. We wanted to hear his message of life and salvation. But then we got blindsided, you could say. One Passover, it seemed like this good thing was going to have to come to an end. See, Jesus had come into Jerusalem at the height of his popularity. He was a pretty popular guy. He's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, and there we were waiting for him. And we see him coming on a donkey, and we think, this is our king. We say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But just a few days later, he was crucified. He was dead. The one who we had seen conquer death itself was placed into a tomb and was buried. Can you imagine what that must have been like? We were his disciples. We, we trusted in him. We thought that he was the savior. He gave us our hope. He gave us our life. Without him, what was the point? We placed all our eggs into his basket and it seemed like we had nothing left. Jesus was dead. The disciples were hiding away. And it seemed like death had finally gotten the last word. It had crushed all enthusiasm right out of us. It even got us down to the last man, and it got the last man. But weren't, weren't we so blind not to know that this had to happen, that this was what he said it was? Weren't we so blind to have lost hope so quickly? And we saw Jesus on day-to-day turn sorrow into joy. We saw him time and time again raise someone else from the dead, defeating death. Weren't we so blind to have, have not thought that maybe he himself would conquer death as well. And that's exactly what happened. He rose from the dead once and for all, never to die again. You see, this good thing was not going to come to an end. And it will never come to an end for us. Because the enthusiasm that Jesus brings for us that permeates our entire life is forever. Forever. 
It's focused on eternal life. That enthusiasm is based on the hope that we have in Him because we know that according to His promises, we too will be raised on the last day. So therefore, brothers and sisters, in this time and in this place, live in that contagious enthusiasm that Jesus brings to you that permeates your life that you can't help but being excited for. That enthusiasm that is a part of being a disciple, that enthusiasm which leads to eternal life, which is based on that hope for our Lord Jesus Christ. The coolest rabbi ever has risen and he will never die again and he will come again to raise us and our loved ones. Just as he raised the widow's son, but even better, just as he himself is risen and lives forever and ever. Amen.